My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Nick Biddle is the founder of Workforce Pro and works with organizations who want to prepare and develop their workforce to lead with impact, act like a pro, and perform at their best on a daily basis. He's an author, consultant, and speaker. Nick currently lives with his wife and two children in a town of 503 people called Corn, Oklahoma. To contact Nick, simply go to www.nickbiddle.com. That's N-I-C. B-I-T-T-L-E dot C-O-M. Or you can call him on his cell phone, 405-818-6562. Now let's hear from Nick Biddle. Well, good morning. It's holiday season here in lovely Edmonds, Washington, a town so boring when the tide goes out, it doesn't come back in. We have the privilege this morning of talking to Mr. Nick Biddle. Nick, you and I met, gosh, November 23rd in Pomona, California. What the heck were you doing there? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was doing the same thing you were doing there. I was, uh, I was speaking at an event for, uh, for a bunch of plumbers and pipe fitters. How many of them were there? Yeah, you know, was there, what, 400? Maybe? Yeah, at least. Pretty good that group. That was something. Yeah, it was. You, it was a good group. You were amazing. I, I think I... I think I made a few people uncomfortable though when I said, "So Nick, how do I get your book?" Yeah, <laughs> and then you come up and and you took one right off the table. Yeah, and the guy and the guy to my left as I walk goes, "Hey, wait your turn. You're supposed to do that afterwards." And he was pretty upset. Yeah, I just announced to everybody if you if you want a book, you know, come grab one on break. And of course, you were showing initiative and didn't wait, so you just jumped up out of your seat and came and got one, and he felt like you were breaking the rules. I, I, he really did. He was upset, but afterwards I said, you know, you can have my copy, but he said, I got one. I said, okay. Uh, well, there you go. Well, and I sat there while you were speaking. I read your book. I love little bathroom books. You can read it in four sittings. You don't mind your legs going numb. That's right. So tell us about that book. Let's, why don't we start there? You know, that little book... Um, it's titled Know This, Do That, How to Be Outstanding in Your Chosen Field and Build a Successful Career. And it was really written for anybody um, who's starting a career, anybody who's really wanting to figure out what it takes to make it in business. And I, I, I get to do, like you, I get to do a lot of workshops. I get to work with a lot of foremen and, and leaders in the in the construction industry. And it wasn't, oh man, it was probably three or four years ago I was doing a workshop and the guys were just complaining about their apprentices. And it was just this nonstop complaining. And I finally said, you know, you guys are so smart. Uh, turn over your sheet of paper. I had a feedback form on, on every seat. I said, turn that over and answer these three questions. And uh, the questions I asked was the first one was, what one piece of advice would you give somebody getting started in this business? The next question was, was what kind of training do our apprentices most desperately need? They're not already receiving. And then the third question was, what one decision did you make that had the most significant impact on your life and career? And I had probably 40 foremen in this little training I was doing, and, and I had every, every one of them answer those three questions. And 
you know, the questions were simple, but the, uh, but the answers were profound. And it led me to start asking those three questions at every workshop I did for about the next three years. And Repeat those I received over 10,000 responses to those three questions. And at the end, when I started looking at them, and of course, a lot of them were duplicates, but at the end, I thought, man, this is this is what an apprentice needs to know and do to make it in this business. And and you read the book, Mark. It's it's the simple stuff. It's it it's what used to be common sense. And and so I put it in the book, and and it's been amazing how many apprenticeship programs have adopted that as part of their apprenticeship program. And and every time my, my clients will read it and they say, you know, Nick, this is the stuff that I grew up learning. But but a lot of this next generation, they're not getting this uh, this wisdom growing up on Starbucks and iPads. Right. Because it's really uncommon sense, isn't it? Well, it, it you know, that's it's sad to say, but you're exactly right. It is. And so and so that's kind of the basis of the book. It's not really what I know, but it's really what it's the wisdom and advice from from foreman and leaders in the construction industry that have uh, come before them. Right. Repeat those three questions if you would. Yeah, first question, what one piece of advice would you give somebody getting started in this industry today? Uh, second question is what kind of training do our apprentices most desperately need that they're not already receiving? And the third question was what one decision did you make that had the most significant impact on uh, on your life and career. Right. So I'm going to ask you those questions in reverse order. What was the one decision <laughs> that had the biggest impact on your life? What one decision? God, see, you didn't you didn't give me any notes on this, Mark. So I've got to come up with something. Yeah, you do. What one decision did I make? You know, I would I would say it was saying yes to an opportunity. Uh, so 15 years ago, I used to be in the restaurant business. Right. And used to own restaurants and ice cream stores. And I got an invitation to speak at a commencement address at a high school. And I was in my 20s. And they wanted somebody to come in that didn't have too much gray hair and, and give some of these... <laughs> high school graduates, you know, what it takes to make it in business, right. uh, some advice. And I really didn't want to say yes, because I'd never done anything like that before. But I had three seconds of courage. And I just said yes. And I didn't know what I was going to say. Yeah. Was that in a moment of insanity? What was I thinking? Right after you said <laughs> yes, you went, Oh, crap! now I have to now I have to actually go do it. That's exactly right. But uh but you know, it was, it was that three seconds of courage. And I know often when I'm talking with people, I'm, I'm, whether they're asking for a raise or, or asking for the business, asking for the sale, uh, I'm always like, you know, you don't have to have courage for 24 hours during the day, but just three seconds. Right. And, uh, but yeah, it was that three seconds of courage. And I got on stage and I spoke for, you know, I prepared for like six hours of material and I crammed it into 20 minutes and, right. and I loved it. And, and that really gave me the fire to, uh, to figure out how to start making a living speaking. You thought, this might be fun to do. Yeah. Because you got some positive feedback on that first talk. But you just said something profound. You said six hours for a 20-minute speech. 
And when I tell people, you know, when they ask, well, what about preparation? I said, you know, for every hour you're going to speak, you need to spend between five and eight hours preparing. And they go, what? But yeah. I still, I still do that. You know, I'll spend three, four hours preparing for a talk and I, I probably don't need to like you, you definitely don't need to, but you do, don't you? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think, I think the best uh, gift that we can give our clients is being prepared and, right. you know, and you know, um, a 10 minute speech or a program is a heck of a lot harder to give than an eight hour. Oh, well, Churchill said it best. He said, if you want me to talk for eight, uh, if you want me to talk for 20 minutes, I'll need eight hours to prepare. If you want me to talk for eight hours, I can start right now. Yeah. Start right now. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. So, so I said, well, you know, we don't want to do, we only need to do 20 or 30 minutes. That is way harder. Cause what am I going to leave out? Exactly. Yeah. How do you still have an impact? Because ultimately, that's what we're paid to do is have an impact. Right. So how do you how do you have an impact in as little time as possible, which which gives you no room for error. It gives you no room for warm up. You, you right. can't make any mistakes. You've got to be precise. Yeah. And and you do a lot of them every year. How many talks do you do a year? Oh, you know, I, I try to stay around 60. Yeah. Um, I used to do more than that, and then I realized my kids, I kept having to remind them who I was when I came home. They weren't and, calling uh, you Uncle Nick. That's right. And so, you know, when I first got in this business, it was, it was they say feast and famine. It was mostly famine. Right. Um, you know, because it just takes, of all the businesses I've had, the, the, the speaking and consulting business, I think that's the hardest business I've ever started. Because you're really selling yourself. You're, you're not selling a product so much as you are yourself. So it's also very personal. Yeah. But it just took forever to get any momentum. And then once I did get momentum, I was afraid to, I was afraid to say no. Right. And I remember, oh, it may have been five, six years ago, my wife and I was just starting to get momentum in the, in the licensed trades. And, and I just, I told my wife, Tarina, I said, I'm going to say yes to everything. You know, if, if it pays, I'm gonna, if I can get there, I'm going to do it. And I did over a hundred programs that year mm. and, oh, it almost killed me. Well, and I got yeah, sick. That's, and that's 300 days on the road. It was, it was stupid. It really was. <laughs> and, uh, and so now the challenge is who do you say yes to? And then, and, and then where do you draw the line and say no? And, you know, there's always that rule of thumb. Well, you can, you can raise your prices and, but you know, Sometimes a good paying gig is not a great fit. Right. And sometimes a great fit job is not necessarily a good paying gig. And um, I know I know you well enough to know you don't do this just for the money. No. You know, we want to have an impact. Yeah. And when and, I heard uh, you speak, my friend, your passion is palpable. You know, uh, it, it just comes out of you like a fountain. And it was so fun to watch. So what is it about Thank the speaking you. business you love the most? What do I love the most? You know, the, it's got to be the results. Mm. Um, there's probably a couple of things. The biggest thing is when somebody comes back a week, 10 days or a year later and say, you know, I tried some of that Nick Biddle crap and it mm. worked. Right. And because I think, I think most, I don't know if, if, if the industry that I'm focused in, if they expect it not to work, but it's almost mm. like they're surprised that, that what 
that what I teach them, and I'm sure what you teach them, actually makes sense. Right. And I was in uh, I was in Coos Bay, Oregon, years ago, a little fishing town right off the coast of Oregon. Oh well. And you know it. Okay, great little town. And and I was working with some electricians, and we'd work together all day. And and then that night, I I drove up to. Uh, Portland and caught a flight to Quincy, Washington, and which is no simple task. And, and I didn't land till right. I didn't land till I don't know one in the morning. And when I got to my hotel, I had a call um, from a, from an Oregon number, and I thought, God, you know, this might be a client, or you know, maybe maybe something's changed for tomorrow. And it was this it was this young man on the other end of the phone, and he said, Oh, Nick, he said, I'm sorry to bother you. I didn't I didn't think I'd get you. I thought I'd get your voicemail. Right. But he said uh, he said I was I was in Coos Bay today, and I sat to your workshop, and and he said, I got home, and I thought, you know, this stuff is going to work for me as a as a manager. But he said it's also going to work as a dad. Right. And he said, my, my 17 year old daughter and I haven't spoken in two years. Mm. And he said, we, you know, we've got a we're split relationship. And, and he said, but my daughter, I called her on the phone and he said, I used one simple technique that you taught me. And he said, we had a two hour conversation and this grown man was on, was in tears right. on the other end of that phone. And I mean, that had an impact because it's like, wow, if, if if that's all that good that happens this year, it was worth it. It was worth it. The juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, I, I call that the helper's high. You know, you you get a buzz from somebody saying, "Hey, I set some goals like you talked about, and it actually worked." And uh, now I'm excited about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Right. That's absolutely it get better than that. I mean, it's just. And when I saw, you know, I had mentors who were doing that and the guys that made a difference in my life were the guys who were teaching those kinds of things. And uh, which is a nice segue into the next question. Who were your heroes growing up? Who were the people that had a big impact on you? Who were my heroes? You know, we've all had several. I I had a professor in college uh, named Jerry Shackett. And, and he just, he really, he really pushed me to think outside the box. Um, he, uh, he just, he just took an interest in me in a time when I didn't know come here from Sikkim about what I really wanted to do with life. And, and, and he just pushed me to, to do something a little bigger, uh, than I was probably comfortable with. He pushed you out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, another hero that I've had, his name's Mark LeBlanc. He's actually my business coach. I've had a business coach for over a decade. And, and he was one of the first guys, he heard me speak and and he came up to me and he said, he said, you need to write a book. Mm. He said, if you're going to be a speaker, you got to write a book. And great advice. And, and so I wrote my first little book and, and he just took interest in me and, and he's really given me a lot of great advice over the years and molded and shaped me. But I think it was that level of belief that he had in me that, you know, I'm from Corn, Oklahoma. I mean, there's 503 people out here. There's not a professional speaker for 200 miles. And so, so if you're going to do anything out here, you're going to farm or you're going to work in the oil field. Right. And then here I am 
wanting to be a professional speaker and, you know, people look at you like you got a monkey crawling out your ear. <laughs> and so to have somebody to have that level of belief in me, yes. uh, meant everything. Of course, my wife believes in me, but she has to. Right. No choice. Uh, by the way, you married way up. Just Tarina's amazing. Well, and she is. And I, I caught her eye in seventh grade. And that's where we <laughs> met in seventh grade because, you know, I, w I didn't want her to realize there were other options outside of Corn, Oklahoma. Close that so deal I, quick. I, yeah. That's, right. I closed it quick. That's right. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> 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 what advice would you offer somebody who has said, you know, I think I want to do this, this speaking thing? Because you, you had mentioned how hard it was at first, and my, that's my story as well. Uh, they were few and far between, and it was a grind, and it was 16-hour days, six days a week. And I questioned my sanity, and at one point my wife said, so are you going to make a go of this thing or what? Yeah, well, okay, great question. M my advice would be go all in. Mm. You, you, uh, this is not a play it safe career. You, you, you've got to put, you've got to go all in. You've got to go all in with, uh, with your commitment, but also you've got to be a hundred percent vulnerable. You, you've got to be willing to, to take the beating because it is, you know, when I say it's the toughest business, you know, you, when, when someone doesn't like you, when, when someone gets up and walks out, when, you know, you take that so personally. Right. And, uh, and, and so you've got to be willing to get through the crap that this business will bring you in order to, to get good enough to make it. Right. I, uh, I had a guy the other day, he said, boy, I'd like to do what you do, Nick. Must be mm -hmm. nice. You just fly around in an airplane mm -hmm. and get paid to talk. And and I'm like, man, I'd love for you to do this. And I said, you know, if you want to know how, it's pretty simple. I said, you got to be willing to to do it for free for ten years. Yeah. Get paid nothing, and 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 you eventually work up where they'll actually feed you to speak for free. But uh, then it's ten thousand hours or ten years, whichever comes first. Whichever comes first. And I remember early on getting almost being bitter because you, you go in, you're, you're the free speaker. They spend more on the dinner than you make in a year, but they don't have a speaker budget. And I would remember, and then you get a free, you get a coffee mug as Got a, a bunch of those. for coming and speak. And, yeah. and I was almost bitter. And I remember one time I was leaving it was a it was a uh, facility in Norman. It was at the Postal Service meeting facility, and I'd gone and spoke for a group, and they didn't have a speaker budget, but I was I'd speak for anything, you know. I'm just trying to make it, and and I got a pin set that <laughs> when I sat in the car and I'm in the rain and my car needs tires, and you know it's all this frustration, and right, and I'm like, really, I got a pin set, and when I took the pin set out of the box, it broke, it fell apart in my hands. And I remember just wanted to almost be in tears right? and thinking, you know, this is the worst business in the world. But what was interesting is somebody sitting in that room a year later called me and that became my first introduction into the construction industry. And that is a hundred percent of what I do today. 
Isn't that amazing? You just never willing, know. Yeah. You, you never know. Had I not been willing to do the the free gig for the broken pen, <laughs> I would not have made the introduction into the industry where I get to travel like you do all over the world now. That's the title of your next book. The broken pen. I got pen. a free pen. <laughs> I got I got a broken pen from a free gig. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It'd probably sell. You could sell it. I, I should write the book and let you sell it for me, Well, Mark. sure. That'd be okay. You know, <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head because I went through the exact same thing. So, oh, really? Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that first four or five years was really, really hard. And, and I questioned my sanity. I was working so many hours and we had kids and a mortgage. And, you know, I, I traded a six-figure sales job for this the first year. I think I made $10,000. And I was like, what have I done? Yeah, now you're bragging. Well, sure. But, <laughs> of course, it's my podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. But I, I just remember thinking, if I could just, you know, if I could just turn the corner, if I could just do this thing. And then once I turned the corner, and, and, you know, like you, writing a book made a huge difference. But what people will come up to you and say, I'd, I'd give anything to do what you do. And I say, no, you wouldn't. Are you willing to spend $250,000 of your own money in 10 years, you know, learning the, the trade, learning the craft? Was that, right. oh, I, can't, I can't do that. Well, then what you're really saying is I want to have what you have without doing the work. That's right. And I, I, don't, sound, I don't mean to sound like a Dutch uncle, but the reality is this is really a hard business and, and, unless you're willing to, you know, just put in the time. I drove 50 well, and you miles can't, one way for that's right. three you, years, right? You're, you're, yes. And to you, work and you with can't a guy. shortcut it. No, and this guy had what I wanted, so I put in the time. You you mentioned the word apprentice. We're all apprentices, okay? I did a four-year apprenticeship, Local 32, to, to learn, you know, to be a fitter. But I did another four-year apprenticeship to learn how to be a speaker. I, I, made, I didn't make very much money, and I, it was a huge risk. But it was, the yes. juice is worth the squeeze. And the reason you're successful, I believe, is that you're persistent. What other qualities are necessary what are the ones that, what are the qualities you admire in other people oh man well i th i think the biggest one's integrity mm. i think i think too many people sell their soul to what uh, to try to get ahead right you know i i the money and the success in this business is a result of if i think building a a business based on integrity and you know one thing that about this business is it's the smallest smallest uh, group of people in the world I mean everybody knows everybody so right. you cut one corner everybody knows about it and and so one of the things I think that makes this business so hard is you really have to build this reputation right and and I want my clients to be able to say to anybody else that uh, hey, if if you bring Nick in, he's going to make it right. right. He's going to do a great job. But if but if anything goes wrong, you know he he's not gonna he's not gonna hammer you on the expense report. He's not going to try to gouge you here or there. I mean he's gonna he's gonna do it right. Right. And that's what I want to make sure that that my clients know. And and so I think integrity is a big piece of it. Um, but I think you're right. I think it is consistency. Um, 
I think the reason that I'm successful in this business today is because I stayed with it long enough. Right. You didn't quit. Uh, didn't quit. And a lot of people think, well, you know, how are you going to do this? I remember when I was getting started, I had a I had a group of guys. We'd meet at McDonald's at about 10 o'clock at night um, every week after we got the kids to bed. And we just kind of an accountability group. And 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 they were they were asking me because I was really struggling, and they're like, "Well, how long are you gonna do this before you quit?" And I'm like, "I'm never gonna quit." I said, "I want right. to do this until it works." Right. But most people don't have that level of of commitment. And you know, the other thing that's interesting is success in another area of your life doesn't guarantee success in this business. Right. I uh, I had other other business ventures I did that were very successful, but it's not like I could even take those principles and concepts and, and apply them to here and, and, and create a shortcut out of it. It's a different, you're really animal. starting over from scratch. Yeah, you really are. It's a, it's a zero start, zero sum game. Yeah. And you're right. You build a reputation and you know, I had a client say just this morning, I just closed, I closed three speaking gigs this morning. And he sent me an email saying, hey, after you're done with the keynote, uh, would you be willing to attend the cocktail party? And I said, I'll stay there until the last person leaves. Right? I'll stay and yeah. sign every book and answer every question. And I do that every time, all the time. Why? Because I want, I want you to feel guilty about the value that I created. I want to deliver way more than I promised. And right. you're that same guy. You hung around afterwards and you sat through my whole presentation, which I couldn't understand, or, but I did appreciate it. <laughs> no, I enjoyed and, it. I learned a lot. Well, and I felt the same way. I mean, I took like five pages of notes from your talk and I devoured your book. And, and so let's talk about the book. How, how does, because we're going to run out of time before we run out of topics. How does somebody get a copy of your book, A, and B, how does somebody contact you to hire you? To speak. Well, sure. So uh, Amazon.com and uh, or uh, or NickBiddle.com is uh, my books are, are are on both of those, and Excellent. and then as far as connecting with me, um, I mean I don't know if you're going to have email or, or phone numbers in, in a link or anything, but it's it's a Nick at Nick Biddle Nick at NickBiddle.com, and that's N I C B I T T L E. That's right. Okay. And, uh, or my cell phone number, will you put my cell phone number in the, in the uh, link or do I need to give it now? Just give it now and I'll put it in the link as well. Okay. Yeah. My, my cell phone's 405-818-6552. Excellent. So if you had a dream dinner, if you could invite anybody living or dead and you could only have five people, who would those five people be? Oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I've been giving you easy questions. I thought I'd you have a difficult it, one. Yeah, you've been giving me some layups. Here comes a knuckleball from Phil Necro. That's right. My my grandfather would be one of them. Paul Biddle. He was born in the Great Depression, and and he, I was pretty young when he passed away. But but that that little old man, he. Uh, he started with absolutely nothing and, and built a successful life and family. And so I would, I definitely want to have dinner with him. Mm. Um, I mean, you got to have Jesus. He's got to be there. 
Well, sure. The guy walks on water for crying out loud. That's right. And um, I, d I don't know. I I'm going to have to think about the other three seats. That's uh, It'll come to you before we're done. Probably. How do you want to be remembered? You know, mostly alive, but probably. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like to be remembered I, I, alive. Said, I'm not afraid to die, and I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I, I want to be remembered as somebody who, who invested in others and made an impact. Mm. Um, I, wa I, want to, I want people to say, you know what, Nick – Nick Nick loved and he and he cared, yeah. And he invested in in me, and I'm and I'm different because of it. Right. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, "I want to pluck a thistle and plant a rose where I think it'll grow." Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing you say. That's great. Well, what uh, what parting advice or uh, comments would you make? If you were to, if you were to say, here's the one thing I want you to remember, one thing I want you to take away, what would it be? You know, I, I think you got to surround yourself with whatever you're wanting to do in life, figure out that somebody, figure out somebody that's already done it and, and get with them. Um, you know, surround yourself with people. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think any of us are trying to um, reinvent the wheel here. At least we, we shouldn't need to because it's already been done. So there's somebody out there that can help you get what you want and, and then be a, be an eternal student. Yes. Uh, constantly be reading and surrounding yourself with, with more and more information because I think those two things are the, are the keys. That amazing. I'm rereading a book that I've read three times before by a guy named Jim Newman. He invented the pace seminars in the sixties and the foreword okay. was written written by uh, Art Linkletter. And for the baby boomers listening, they'll all remember Art Linkletter, uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things. The guy owned, he was a multi-multi-millionaire. He owned properties and he had television shows and records. And he was 80 years old and he was sitting in the front row of one of Jim Newman's seminars in the, in the uh -huh. mid-60s. And Newman said, well, you're Art Linkletter, what are you doing here? Why are you sitting in the front row taking notes? He said, it keeps my brain alive. He said, when I stop learning, I'm done. And that's what yeah. I'm hearing you say. Yeah, that's great. Well, Nick, uh, thank you so much for making the time out of your busy schedule to, to do this podcast. Hopefully uh, our listeners got something out of it. And I, and I will say this, uh, you're a, a world-class presenter. And the, it's not just your content, but you have the platform skills as well. And it was an absolute joy to not only hear you speak, but then surprisingly the next morning to have breakfast with your wife and you, that was, uh, that was just icing on the cake. That was great. Well, I appreciate you, Mark. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. 
If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.